Tonight here at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue with our teaching series on the alphabet, and tonight's letter is J, which is Jesus. And through worship, he's already coming down to hang out with us, you know, and it's so important that we, we understand that he is so much bigger than we realize. Our perception and our understanding of who Jesus is changes our life in the good way and the bad way. You know, many of us have an understanding of religious Jesus. You know, that there's sweet little baby Jesus. You know, that we get presents at Christmas time because of Jesus' birthday. Hallelujah. And then there's Easter Jesus. Jesus is coming. Hide the eggs. <laughs> I don't know why Jesus wants the eggs, but we need to hide them. And we worship a bunny rabbit. You know, and then there's crucifix Jesus. That he's really in a lot of pain and he's really scrawny because nobody fed him a sandwich. And then there's church Jesus. That as long as I go to church, then I have Jesus. And there's many different perceptions of Jesus. And then there's real, intimate, powerful, loving Jesus that many of us didn't even know existed. And we grew up in the church and we were around the church and we were force-fed religion. And the whole time there's this loving intimate God that wants to come into our lives and change us forever. And we can't see it because our eyes are focused on the wrong things. And yet we believe, sort of, in Jesus. So our understanding of who Jesus is changes everything. I talk to a lot of people about Jesus that have no idea who Jesus really is. I go to church with people that sometimes they just don't understand that Jesus is so much more than going to a building. We run into people on a regular basis that believe in the same God we believe but live a life that's completely different than the lives that we live because their understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus is about is completely different. And how can that be? How can that be? How can there be so many different views of Jesus? How can there be so many different understandings of Jesus? Because that name, Jesus, is more powerful than any other name on this planet. That you can talk about any other religion, and no one bats an eye. But the second you say Jesus, all of a sudden there's an uproar. Why? Because the enemy is coming to seek and destroy those that are lost. And he's looking for those that are on the outskirts, so whom he can devour. <clears throat> and he is just as happy with people that are sitting in church doing nothing and struggling and in bondage than those that are sinning and running the opposite direction that say, I don't even believe in him. Because we're, we're living a life with no power. We're living a life that has nothing. Because we're missing Jesus. And it's so important that we realize 
that there's more going on than we could ever know. You know, John Piper says that God is up to 10,000 things and we're lucky if we're aware of three. You know, that Jesus is at work in our lives even when we don't want him to be. You know, I grew up in the church and I ran far from it because I didn't think that it was real and became an atheist for a long time because my life was painful due to my own choices. And yet I don't believe in God, so let me blame him for it. But I don't believe in him, but it's his fault. Makes complete sense. You know, and as I started to hit rock bottom in many different areas, people told told me that I, I needed this higher power. And I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. That what has God done for me? My life is horrible. I've been hurt and abused and abandoned and rejected and lied to. How can there be a God? And the whole time Jesus is at work in my life and I am doing nothing but horrible things. You know, and it comes to the place where I realize that there's areas in my life that I cannot change. No matter how hard I try, no matter how much I try to force certain areas of my life, I cannot change them. And I slowly begin to, to pray. And I wouldn't even say it's prayer because I'm too arrogant. I'm just speaking things into the universe. And God is so much bigger than we give Him credit for. Because He knows the heart of every single individual in this world. He is at work in every single person's life, drawing them onto Him. And lo and behold, I, I start this process of trying to figure out God and don't want anything to do with Jesus. Because I'm broken and I need something to change, but I don't want Jesus because I don't want religion. And Jesus is like, I don't want religion either. If you actually read the book, I would have showed you that I was against it. That the true religion is to, to love the unlovable. And yet we look at the church and we judge Jesus. We look at Christians and we judge Jesus. And there ain't one perfect Christian on this earth. But yet we look at people and the way they act and then we judge Jesus for it. So then I can't have Jesus in my life because of what some person did. I can't have Jesus in my life because of what some priest did. I can't have Jesus in my life because of the organization of the church and how much it's about money and how corrupt it is. So I reject Jesus. And Jesus is like, i got broad shoulders. I can take it. I'm still going to work around in your life and mess things up for sin. And I'm going to be right there at that moment when you're ready to show you who I really am. You know, and trying to pursue God and trying to figure this out on my own and trying to, to manipulate God with my prayers and, and, and it's still not working and I'm still struggling in my recovery and I, I stay sober for a while and I fall back on my face. Coming out of detox, I go to back to an AA meeting and there's this girl 
I remember being in one of the halfway houses and she's like, my church is doing this group. You should come. Can't hurt me. It literally cannot hurt me. And I went to church because a girl offered to take me to church, but it still wasn't about Jesus. And I showed up in Celebrate Recovery and I heard the message of Jesus for the first time in my life. Although I've been to church hundreds of times growing up as a kid, I never was ready to hear about Jesus. That He loves me no matter what I've done. That He'll forgive everything that I've ever done. That He wants to come into my life and heal my heart and restore me and transform me. That He loves me more than I could ever know. That He's been pursuing me my whole entire life. And I sat there and I, I cried. And I cried and I cried. And I didn't know what was going on with this recovery meeting. But it was unlike any other recovery meeting I've ever been to. Because it focused on Jesus. And I started going to these meetings and eventually I went to church. And, and some of you have heard my testimony that I accepted Jesus the first time I went to church. And it wasn't because I was afraid to go to hell or wanted to go to heaven. It's that I had so much pain on the inside of me and the pain needed to stop. And I've tried every other thing except Jesus. And not really knowing what I was doing. But I was so afraid that if I accept Jesus that I'm about to become this religious freak. And then all my friends are going to abandon me and all my friends are going to think that I'm crazy. But I need the pain to stop. And many of us have been going into church and going in and out of recovery and believe in Jesus, but we got this big hole on the inside of us. There's still something missing even though we believe in Jesus. And there's areas of our lives that have been healed. There's areas of our lives that have been restored. But still the perception of who Jesus is and what He is capable of is still tainted by our own past and by religion and by our opinion and by someone else's opinion and by fear of man. And there's a million different ways the enemy puts little seeds and strongholds in our lives that keeps us from understanding who Jesus really is. And it's our job to investigate who He is. Because I cannot go by what somebody else says. It can help me take a step, but at some point, I have to make my own decision to deny myself and follow Him. No one can make that decision for me. And the people that have tried to make us make this decision, it has never worked. That religious manipulation has never worked. We might take one, two, three steps if we're lucky, but most likely we're going to end up back worse sinning in darker places than we ever have because and then we proclaim that this Jesus stuff, this church stuff does not work. Because it wasn't about us pursuing the love of our lives. It was about this performance-based, religious-based, moral-based behavioral modification stamped with Jesus. And it's never worked in the history of man. And that's why we take such a strong stance against religion. None of us want it including Jesus. How about that? And it's so important that we begin to say, i got to take everything I think I know, even today, and put it on the shelf and start again. 
that there's a, a principle that says, you know, he says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. The second we get breakthrough or victory in one area, he's like, behold, I'm doing a new thing. We're like, wait, I thought I was done. You know, like drugs and alcohol, isn't that enough? Like, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Let's work on sexuality. Let's work on porn. Let's work on food. Let's work on gambling. Let's work on your money management. Let's work on your time management. Let's work on your TV. Let's work on this. Let's work on that. Let's work on Facebook. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. He's not done with us. Why? Because we didn't wake up today and say, you know what? I got this Jesus Christ likeness thing going on today. I woke up a broken, wretched sinner saved by His grace. Period. It's a new, his mercy is new every morning. Why? Because we wake up sinners. Yes, we have the righteousness of God. Yes, we've been justified by the blood and the Father looked at us as completely clean because of what Jesus has done. But we sin every day through our actions, our thoughts, or our words. And there's never going to be a day that this sinner is going to end up waking up and saying, I got this Jesus stuff going on. I don't need Jesus anymore. I've risen to become equal with him. And isn't that the, the words of Lucifer wanting that? And yet we, we think there's days that go by that I don't need as much Jesus as I did on my worst day. Now granted, we're going to go up and down and we're never going to be perfect. But through our lives, we could, should be trying to grow with Him. And saying, you know what? I need to be purposely working on things. Because you know what? When I look at the mirror, there's areas in my life I don't like about myself. I don't need anyone to tell me that this area in my life should not be different. I don't need an extra Holy Spirit, because He does a great job of ruining my fun. Oh wait, it's not fun. It's painful. Oh wait, it's fun. Oh wait, no, it's painful. Oh wait, it's fun. Oh wait, no, it's painful. Oh wait, it's fun. And we go back and forth. Until we get sick and tired of being sick and tired and saying, you know what? This is not fun anymore. I've been doing this far too long and I end up in the same place I always end up and sometimes worse. And Jesus, it's your fault. He's like, oh really? No. That's interesting because I've been telling you to not do that for quite some time now. But but this is what I wanted. This will make me happy. Oh, really? Because I thought my word said I'm the only one that can satisfy you. But yet you look everywhere else to find satisfaction except denying yourself and choosing me. And see, when our eyes get focused on anything but Jesus, things get real wobbly and sometimes crash and sometimes go up in smoke and sometimes destruction happens. And then we're like, well, I believe in Jesus. Well, that's funny. My word says, those that believe in me will obey my teachings and follow me, and then you will know that the truth will set you free. So every time that we come up with this religious excuse, Jesus has truth to come over our deception and saying, I'm still the answer. You just got to figure out the right question. And so often we're asking the wrong questions and we want the wrong answers. And Jesus is like, I'm still standing here. I am the only thing that can fix you. I remember so clearly 
in my baby days as a believer, and I'm reading through Second Corinthians, and I've shared this before, but it, it was powerful. Second Corinthians 7, 9 through 11, and Paul's writing a letter to the Corinthians, and he said, I've sent you this painful thing, and I'm not sorry. Because it made you turn from your sinful ways to your salvation. And it, it flashed me through my life. And all these moments where I chose to go the wrong direction. I chose to deny God and, and go back into sin. I, I chose to, to have an opportunity and walk away from it. I chose to destroy everything. I chose to walk out of that job. I, I chose, I chose, I chose. And he's like... All these things that you chose that weren't me brought destruction and pain in your life. And I'm not sorry. Because it finally got you to a place where you humbled yourself and cried out to me. And I met you in that moment. And your life's been different ever since. And it doesn't instantly mean that everything's going to be perfect. You start this journey of walking with Jesus. And some days you're doing okay. Some days not so much. Some days you question if you're actually even saved. <laughs> like, well, I definitely missed the mark today. I'm not even sure that Jesus even knows who I am. And other days you did pretty good, and you're like, yeah, hallelujah, I'm an awesome Christian. Yeah, your righteousness like filthy grace. <laughs> you know, and we have to have this clear understanding of who he is because it keeps us in the right perspective of that I need more Jesus. You know, his word transforms our mind and changes our heart and directs our step. That he lived this life so that we could have this model of how to love people that were unlovable in the midst of a religious and broken world with sin all around us, with temptation all around us, that he gives us the pattern of saying it is written. That's how we overcome and beat the devil. It is written. What's the word say? What's the principle that I need to live by? Well, I feel this or I feel that. Pretty sure that's not written in there. And we learn to live by the word. We learn to live by principles. We learn to live in this different way that feels absolutely uncomfortable because our flesh is crying out. It's like, I want this other stuff. That's the only thing that makes me happy. But our flesh is a deceiver. Our sin nature wants the opposite of Jesus. And we have to bring that thing into submission and say, I've let you lead my life. You lead me to horrible places. It's time for my spirit to guide me. And I need to use my mind, and it needs to be renewed in Christ. And I need to bring every thought captive back to the obedience of Christ, back to the obedience of the Word. But I don't read my Bible, but I believe in Jesus. There's a problem there. Because how can I surrender my will to something I don't know anything about, but I believe in Jesus? So what? The devils believe in Jesus. But they fear and tremble. We don't even fear and trouble. I believe in Jesus, but I am actively sinning and it's okay. At least the demons are like, don't go near that name of Jesus. I'm like, I proclaim the name of Jesus and neck deep in sin. 
Now, none of us are perfect, and I'm not trying to, to bring condemnation or judgment. I'm just trying to bring a real a realization that I need the Word of God in my life if I'm ever going to be able to follow Jesus correctly. I cannot do it in my own strength. And that is religion, that if I create the model, if I create the moral code, if I create the ABCs in, in, of how to follow Jesus, that I create this religious package, that I can just go to church on Sunday and I'm okay. I walk out of church and I'm not okay. How many times have we had this horrible week and we get to church and we're like, oh, finally I'm here. Peace has come. And the, week, the second we walk out of church, it's like chaos all over again. Because our relationship is based on that building and not the Savior. That as long as I get to the building, I'll be okay. Well, I'm the church and He lives in me. I can have Him at all times, all throughout the week. And we have to have this perspective that with these mobile devices, we have the Word with us. We can have worship music with us at all times. But Jesus is still far from us. And it, part of, partially it's not our fault because we don't know better. And that's where we have to start getting in relationship with people that are a step or two down the road, just a little bit in front of us. I tell the guys all the time, I'm no different than you. No different. I'm just two steps ahead of you on the same path. That's it. I'm literally just two steps ahead of you on the same path. So watch out for that pothole. Don't watch out for this. Watch out for that. Do it this way. Why? Because I stumbled through all that stuff. I fell on my face. I went in that direction. It didn't work. So don't do that. It doesn't work. Oh, wait. I need to try it for myself. Oh, wait. Hey, Tom, that didn't work. <laughs> Interesting. How about that? But this is what the Bible says. But I want to do the opposite of what the Bible says. Let me know how that works out for you. I don't have this figured out. I've learned to live by recovery principles that I learned in Alcoholics Anonymous and Celebrate Recovery. And I've learned to live with a relationship with Jesus that I talk to him every day. And I still make mistakes, but most of the time I avoid quite a bit of them because I do things the way he is asking me to do it and I live by certain principles that recovery taught me. Because if I let my emotions run the show, who knows where I'm going to end up. But it ain't going to be pretty. And I've learned to have emotions but not listen to them. And it seems crazy that we can do that, but it's true because Paul tells us that my mind has become the master of my flesh. And there's times that my flesh still wants to take over the show. But when my eyes are on Jesus and not circumstances, when my eyes are on Jesus and not my money, when my eyes are on Jesus and not my family, and my eyes are on Jesus, fill in the blank, when my eyes are on Jesus, it does not matter what's going on around me because i got my eyes on the only thing that truly matters. Because everything else is going to be shifting sand. Everything else is going to be a hurricane swirling through, trying to destroy everything. But if my eyes are on Jesus, I can walk through anything. Because He is with me. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He's with me. Why? Because that's who He is. He is with us all the time. Well, no, He's at the church. Well, no, He's in heaven, on the throne. Which is true, but yet He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. So the same power that raised Christ from the grave dwells within us. But if I don't believe that, 
then my perception of who Jesus is and my perception of what Jesus is capable of is completely skewed, and therefore I'm still trying to handle things in my own strength, which doesn't work out real well the last time I remember doing it, which was probably yesterday. And we're learning to walk by his word. We're learning to walk by his presence. We're learning to walk by certain principles that create promises in our lives. When I walk by my emotions, it doesn't matter if I believe in Jesus or not. My emotions are lower to my life. I want and I feel. So I do and I go. I don't know about you, but the last time I did that, it didn't end up in a very good place. But I walk by Jesus, but this hurts. I don't like this. That's denying my flesh, and that's a good thing. If my flesh is happy with me, most likely I'm not following Jesus real well. If my flesh is having a party and really satisfied, most likely I'm not doing so hot. And I'm getting myself entangled in some stuff that I don't really want to be there. And how many times have we been on the way to somewhere that we know we shouldn't go, and we hear this little voice, that's not real, by the way, but we hear this little voice that says, you shouldn't do that, or you shouldn't go there, or you shouldn't talk to that person, you shouldn't text that person, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, we're like, eh, I'm going to do it anyway. I did it yesterday, what's the big deal? But as we learn to be obedient to that still, small voice, he begins to guide us through the, the potholes and snares and traps of the enemy and the ways of this world because our, our minds are on Jesus and not what I want. How can I go after what I want and deny myself at the same time? There's two principles that are conflicting right there. Until my heart is completely in the desire that I want more Jesus, that I, I don't align very well with him. And I have to continue to learn to turn these things over. Take a minute and pray. Instead of react, I learn to respond. It's AA stuff. It's recovery principles. That I've learned to wait a minute. Go, go, go. I need, I need, I need. I want, I want, I want. Shut up. You've done nothing but destroy my life. Shut up, voice. Get behind me, Satan. And I start to learn to have warfare in my spirit because I'm pressing into Jesus and I start to look at his words and how he overcame people that were naysayers and you know don't say that Jesus get behind me Satan he said that to his friend and there's times that our friends can say awful things to us and we have to recognize that we don't battle people we battle the principality and the power of the unseen air we battle the spiritual stuff that's on those people how do I recognize that because I'm connecting with Jesus that my discernment and my street sense go through the roof, that I instantly recognize what's going on around me. Not always, but pretty close to 90% of the time, I'm pretty sure what's going on around me. Why? Because I ran the streets for a long time. I have that. And then you add some Holy Spirit to it, it takes it to a whole other level. It's like Spidey Sense on steroids. <laughs> and we start to learn how to recognize what's going on. But we also have to recognize who we are in Christ. That I have this humongous light that's burning on the inside of me that I can walk into a very dark place and it changes the atmosphere. How many times have you been talking to somebody and they swear, like, oh, I'm sorry for swearing. I didn't say anything to that person. 
It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit because He is in us. Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't talk about that. I don't care what you talk about. That's between you and Him. Why? Because there's something on the inside of us that's different than what's going on around us. And we need to realize that there is this power in Jesus that we don't have apart from Jesus. But if we're living a life believing in Jesus but don't have power, there needs to be an adjustment. I completely believe in the Bible. So when it says that these signs will follow those who believe, I believe that. So when I lay hands on somebody, I am completely believing that their sicknesses can be healed. Now that doesn't mean they always happen when I pray. Because it's not up to me. And I have to believe that His will is being done. And I don't understand all that stuff. His ways are not my ways. If I think I understand Jesus, I need to reread some of the Bible. A lot of the Bible. Any part of the Bible. You'll all understand real fast. You don't have a clue what's going on. And you need to spend a little bit more time to say, all right, what does this really mean? How does this affect me? How does I relate to this? How do I apply this? You know, Jesus, teach me to do your will. Because I don't have a clue. You know, and we're growing in our understanding and perception of who Jesus is and what Jesus is capable of and how he wants to use us to build his kingdom in this crazy world we live in. And it's so important that we are taking the time to say, Jesus, I need you. I need you just as much today as I did the day that I first cried out to you. And if we think that we can coast with Jesus, we're missing a part. Because it talks about in the Psalms that we ascend a hill. So if you're driving a car and you shift it into neutral and you start coasting up the hill, how far up the hill are we going to get? You might get a little ways, but eventually you're going to start doing this. And your eyes might be pointed the right way, but your feet are going the opposite way. That we can't plateau, we can't coast. There's always work to be done. And we are climbing this mountain. We are, there's things that we need to do because we don't wake up with Christ-likeness. And this is the principle that God showed me is that I'm not trying to get sober. Sober is a byproduct of my relationship with God. Sin-freeness, whatever it is, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol and drugs, whether it's sex, pornography, gambling, fill in the blank, is a byproduct of my relationship with God. So as much as I try to abstain from said thing, said thing is still sitting right there because I haven't moved. When my eyes become on Jesus, I start moving towards Jesus. I leave that thing in the dust and I don't want it anymore because I got the thing that's satisfying the inside of me and that is Jesus. That's the only thing that can satisfy me. That's the only thing that set me free from drugs and alcohol. And as much as I'm trying to get free from drugs and alcohol, and I'm going to recovery, and I'm going to meetings, and I'm trying to work steps, and I'm trying to figure out God, I'm still trying to abstain from drugs and alcohol. I'm not really pursuing God. Even though I'm praying, I'm not pursuing Him. Because I don't know how. Jesus is the blueprint to pursue God. When I finally hit me, sitting in an AA meeting that... You turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand Him. It's like, how do I understand God? Apart from the Word of God, how do I understand God? You don't. 
You have bits and pieces and a Hallmark movie here and an opinion there and some Hollywood movie there. And all of a sudden I have this grandiose idea of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And, you know, I get presents at Christmas time and three wise men, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. I don't really understand that. Resurrection time, Jesus, chocolate, I don't know. Go to church. Put money in the bucket. Otherwise you're going to hell. I don't get this. When my eyes become on Jesus, all that stuff fades away. None of it matters. None of it matters. Why? Because I'm plugged in to the power source. Our planet would die without the sun. And we are dying an emotional and spiritual death without the sun. We need the sun in our life. We need more Jesus in our life. To warm us up from the inside because we've been living this this desperate and dark and cold life and our emotions and the little people on the inside of us that have been broken since we were little kids that are dying and we're going through the motions of recovery and we're going through the motions of, of religion and yet there's still something missing on the inside of us. That we need Jesus to come into the deepest, darkest places of who we are and begin to set us free from all the things that are still binding us up. It's a principle that was taught to me that if Jesus is not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. Now that's a challenging statement because we all have areas in our lives that Jesus still isn't the Lord of. I don't care who you are. There's still areas of your life that you're still running the show. But what that taught me is, yes, I, I do a sinner's prayer, but really technically I deny myself and follow him. But there's all this pain in my childhood and all this pain in my life And I need to come to each and every one of these little areas in my life and say, you know what, you don't own me anymore because my identity is in Jesus. I got sexually abused. It doesn't matter because I belong to Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to minimize that. Abandonment, rejection, abuse, rape. I'm not trying to minimize any of that. But when we have Jesus, that we slowly talk to Jesus about these areas in our lives, and we get the courage built up in the side, inside of us to say, you know what, I need to let go of my identity in these areas. Because I'm still this broken and battered and worthless little kid. But Jesus contradicts all of those statements. That I begin to believe the Word of God. Why? Because I'm reading it over and over again, and my heart is becoming on fire, and my mind is becoming interested in, in, and renewed, and I want more Jesus. So I go to these areas that are still anchors in my soul and say, you know what? No, I'm ready to forgive this person. I'm ready to let go of this event. You don't own me anymore because I belong to Jesus. My identity is not in this. My identity is in Him. And it's this process that we learn that if I press into Jesus, I pursue Jesus, God could and would if He were sought, fill in the blank of the area that needs to change, that if I'm seeking God, these things begin to change because it's a symptom. Holiness is a symptom of Christ in me. Yes, I'm holy because of Jesus. Yes, I'm righteous because of Jesus. Because, But my actions begin to change because of Jesus, because I'm pursuing Jesus, not because I woke up today and decided I was going to be the righteousness of God. And we have to begin to learn how some of our religious statements are very empty. And some of our recovery statements are very empty because when the rubber hits the road and crisis happens and trial happens, where do we turn? I turn to Jesus, but if you don't move fast enough, 
I have a backup team of things that are waiting to make me feel better. And that's why we turn back to relationships. That's why we turn to porn. That's why we turn to alcohol and drugs. That's why we turn to food, gambling, fill in the blank. Because it's still plan B. Plan B is still waiting for us. Why? Because I haven't declared you don't own me anymore. Yeah, I have some recovery time. Yeah, I have some abstinence. And yeah, I have victory in a lot of different areas. I haven't thought of a drink in a long time. But man, I want some Chinese food. So I have an area that Jesus needs to, to destroy in my life. Oh, sweet low me. You need to go to the cross. We all have them. It doesn't matter who you are. We have these things in our lives that make us feel better and when we're not feeling so hot. And it's not wrong having these things, but if I'm turning to these things on a regular basis, if I'm sitting in front of the TV with a full-size sheet of pizza every day and wondering why I'm overweight and I don't have a very entertaining life and I'm bored and I'm depressed, my focus is not on Jesus. It's on whatever show I think I'm watching on Netflix and the fact that Domino's delivers. And we need to readjust. Just like we didn't find satisfaction in the bars, just like we didn't find satisfaction in the streets, just like we didn't find satisfaction in the websites, just like fill in the blank of the areas that we didn't find satisfaction in. The only thing that's going to fill us up is Jesus. And we have to make these decisions almost like in drawing lines in the road and saying enough's enough. I'm going to pursue Jesus at all costs. That it's so important that we make these decisions. Now you may have to make the decision a million times. I'm going to pursue Jesus in my purity. I'm not feeling so real hot. I think looking at this website and, and taking care of business will make me feel so much better. And Jesus is like, that's not a really great idea. I know it's not, but I still want to do it. Is it up to what I want? Or is it my obedience that says, I'm going to walk in freedom despite of the way I feel? Because if our faith is built on feelings, we're going to fail every day. If our faith is built on Jesus Christ, we can overcome anything. And it's so important that we're learning how to walk with him. It's so important that we, we talk to him. It's so important that we press into him. It's so important that we put on worship music and, and, and open ourselves up to the presence of God and say, God, I need you so much. Holy Spirit, come. I can't do this without you, Lord. I've tried a million times. I've tried to do it in my own strength, and I believe in you. I really do, but I don't understand. Show me. Teach me. Guide me. Give me the strength. There's dozens and dozens of prayers. I remember the first time I said, God, take my addiction. I was like, whoa. I didn't really mean that, sort of. Take away the pain and destruction about the part of using drugs, but if I could use drugs without any of that stuff, can we make this work out? You're God and all, you know? And Jesus is like, yeah. I like the first prayer best. Jesus, take my depression. Jesus, heal my mind. Jesus, take my anxiety. Jesus, change my heart. Jesus, take my bitterness. Jesus, take my resentment. Jesus, take this addiction. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus is the name above all other names. There's power in the name of Jesus. 
and it's plugging into the stuff we know, even when our emotions and our feelings and everything around us seems like it's crashing down around us and we don't get it and we don't understand. Jesus is like, I'm right here. Got you. Just trust me. Be still and know that I'm God. But, 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 yeah, I know. Seems scary. I got you. Just trust me. Just wait right here. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of your children. I'll take care of this family. I'll take care of this job. I'll take care of this money. I'll take I'll take care of it. 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 And even if I don't, you're still going to be okay. Why? Because you get me. And that's all you really need. But, but, but. Yeah, I know. I know. You're scared. I know you're lonely. I know. I know. He knows it all. There's nothing that he doesn't know. And when we press into him and we're like, <sighs> things are going to go crashing out of your life. You're going to have people that are really close to you attack you. Say awful things about you. You might have to walk away from jobs that you thought you were careers. You might end up making less money. And you're like, I don't understand. I was making more money when I wasn't saved. But you got Jesus. Is Jesus enough? And he's always going to be challenging that statement in every single one of our lives. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough when you're not married? Is Jesus enough when you don't have enough money? Is Jesus enough when everything is going crazy? Is Jesus enough when your kids are running the wrong way a million miles an hour? Is Jesus enough? Well, uh, yeah, but, uh, yes, but he's always going to be challenging this statement. There are so many times in my life that I've wanted to quit. It's too hard to count. I wish that I created a journal through the years because you would have saw, I don't want to do this where I hate this. I don't want to go I run and run and run and run away, run away, run away. And every time I got to the point where I could not take anymore, I'm literally going to send a text message, send an email, or go to the church and make a phone call, walk out the door. The Holy Spirit would kick in and says, do you trust me? And it would make me so angry. Because I want to say yes, but everything that's going on inside me and around me is obviously a big fat no. I'm like, yes, I trust you. And he'd say, sit still. And I would get so mad. I mean, really, really mad. Like bend my steering wheel mad. Like tears just gushing out of my eyes mad. Because I'm so scared on the inside. That I don't know if I can do this. Well, you can't. I don't know if I, I don't know, I don't, trust me. But it's hard. I know, I created the system. But I'm here for you, I, I promise. I'm never going to forsake you, I'm never going to leave you. I promise you I'm leading you to something better. You just have to go through this trial. You just have to go through this season. You just have to wait one more second. You just have to hang on to me, Tom. We just have to hang on to Jesus no matter what's going on around us. And there's going to be days where you're like, this is not working. It's like, yeah, I know. It's okay. I'm not going to fail you, I promise. But Jesus, it's not happening the way I think it should. Yeah, good. I'm glad that that's happening that way because you do a horrible job at running your life, by the way. Just let you know. If you let me do it, I promise you, you're going to be led to great things.
I remember as a very broken man, new to this Jesus stuff, and people would say, God is going to give you a life beyond your wildest dreams. And I'm like, I just want to be sober. I just don't want to hurt anymore. If you trust Jesus, he's going to take you around the world. Yep, okay. And he's literally taking me around the world. And it blows my mind what he does on a regular basis with a guy that doesn't deserve a thing. I deserve death. I deserve hell. But Jesus. I deserve to be in jail. But Jesus. Why are other people in jail? Why are other people dead? Why are other people going the wrong way? I don't know. All I know is that Jesus is real. And he loves each and every one of us, even if you don't love him. That when he died on the cross, he paid for sin of all time, past, present, and future. Every Muslim is saved if they bow their knee to Jesus. Every Buddhist is saved. Every Hindu is saved. Everyone in the entire planet is saved, but they have to accept Jesus. And they have the open doors to heaven set before them. Because it's all about Jesus. It's not about our works. It's not about what we've done in the past. It's all about what he has done for us. And that is the good news of the gospel is that it's not about our performance. It's not about our past. It's all about him. And if we accept him into our lives and we believe that he was raised for the dead from our, for our sins, that we have this life that's going to blow our absolute minds because we don't deserve it. But we must surrender and say, I'm done trying to run the show. I must surrender and say, you ready? All right, Jesus, I'm ready to do it your way, even though I'm going to be scared a lot. Even though I'm going to disagree with you most of the time. Because it, it freaks me out when you ask me to be obedient. It freaks me out when you ask me to go places I don't want to go. It freaks me out when you ask me to let go of things that I want to hang on to. But Jesus, when our eyes are focused on Jesus... Everything can be crazy around us. But He is for us. And He won't let anything destroy us. It may look ugly for a minute. But He works all these things together for good for those who love Him according to His purposes, not ours. And when we get this perspective, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the Kingdom of God. Our perception begins to change and our actions begin to change. And all of a sudden, we're pointed in a different direction. And all of a sudden, things start to fall into place. It doesn't mean there's not going to be bad days. It doesn't mean there's not going to be trials. But he's taking us on to something. The enemy is going to oppose us. But he is greater than He defeated the enemy. Sin and death have been defeated. He is this little tiny mouse whispering. And we think he's this giant that he's yelling at us. But if we proclaim in the word that it is written, there's nothing the enemy can do to us. He'll come after us in many different ways. But Jesus, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. Would you bow your head with me? Lord, I, I just thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for opening our eyes and healing our hearts and, and taking us on this journey that we didn't even know existed. Lord, I pray that you draw each and every one of us closer. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know what we're going through. You know what we need. You know what we don't need. You know what we need to let go of. You know what we need to grab a hold of. Lord, I pray that you would begin to work things out, out in our lives. I pray that these strongholds of fear and depression and anxiety and addiction will be broken off right now in the name of Jesus. And I loose peace, 
joy, and love through the Holy Spirit. I pray that the presence of God begins to wreck each and every one of us in our own homes as we pursue you through the Word and through worship. Lord, I pray that there is just this intimacy that starts to burn on the inside of us, that we begin to to be drawn near to you, Lord, that we want you more than anything else in our lives, that we will let go of every aspect of our lives to chase you, Lord. We need you so much, Jesus. Meet us in these moments, Lord. Put this desperate cry for you in us, Lord. Help us never to be satisfied by sin or anything in this world, Lord. Help us only to pursue you and chase after you and to lay our lives down to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.